Welcome to the Michael Welch Podcast. Today, I'd like to discuss a very controversial subject, and that's which college football teams you should be keeping an eye on this upcoming season, besides your local team and some of those at the very top. Which ones are going to be the most exciting to flip on as you're going through channels on your Saturdays? Which ones are going to be the most exciting on a number of factors, playoff impact, roster talent, the schedule? Are they playing Good teams, good games relative to what their skill level should be, and of course, on the field play. So if you want to watch good college football this upcoming season, this is a good place to start. Let's go. All my blessings, 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 all my blessings. I need my blessings every penny. Daily counting every single one I'm seeing plenty. Level up and watch that beat and turn it to a penny. The team I've penciled in at number 10 on my list is the Mississippi State Bulldogs down in Starksville. Now this team went 7 and 6 last season with a brutal schedule in Mike Leach's second year down there, but still won games over NC State on the road at Texas A&M, Kentucky at Auburn and uh, managed to look pretty decent doing it after a so-so 2020 season. Will Rogers is one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC and in the country. Uh, Will Rogers did set records in Starksville in completions and attempts, maybe even completion percentage if I'm not mistaken. He had over 4,700 yards, a 36-9 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, completed almost 74% of those passes. His top receiver's gone to the NFL, but Austin Williams, who had 52 catches for 617 yards and four touchdowns, and Jaden Wally, who had 55 catches for 628 and six, will both be back as top receivers, so plenty of experience there. The top two running backs will be returning as well. Joquivius Marks, I believe it's pronounced, actually has more receiving yards than he does rushing yards. At least he did in 2021. So there'll be plenty of offensive weapons. The defense prevented a lot of big plays last season and will be strong again this year. The front seven will be able to compete in the SEC. So it's not just going to be a one end offensive only type of show, although we like some of those and we're flicking on the TV. But this team will be able to compete with SEC teams led by a high powered offense. I don't think they'll win many games, but they'll put up plenty of points and upset somebody's apple cart. So I've got a few criteria here, just grading one to five. It doesn't necessarily place them higher or lower on the list, but it does help indicate what we're kind of looking at here in terms of impact in these particular areas. And again, this is just estimates, preseason fun estimates here. So roster talent, I gave a four. We will be sending players to the NFL. And we have great players to watch here on the college collegiate level as well. Will Rogers, we like to see a good quarterback. He'll be a front runner here. Not sure if they'll have a top number one receiver, clear number one for him to throw to, but there'll be lots of talent on the field. Playoff impact, I give that a five out of five. We'll run through the schedule here in just a second, but they play in the SEC East. It's Alabama, it's LSU. It's Arkansas. They'll have Georgia on the schedule too, so we'll get to that in just a second. The the on-the-field play, I give that a four only because it's a one-dimensional offense. If the passing attack is having problems, 
if the offensive line is having pass protection issues, Will Rogers is not going to be able to scramble for additional yardage. That is not his game, and the run game is not going to be particularly strong. So this would be an easy five if we had any faith in the uh, running game here. Now, the schedule. We have bummer games, our solid matchups, and our big games. And this is relative to where this team's probably going to be. So, big games I have at LSU, home against Texas A&M, home against Arkansas, at Kentucky, a team they pull out of the SEC West division matchup, at Alabama, home against Auburn, home against Georgia, who they also pull out of the West, and at Old Miss. They have a solid matchup in the non-conference, home against Memphis, who should be a solid opponent out of the AAC. And the only bummer games that you're probably going to want to pass on is the rest of the non-conference slate. East Tennessee State, Bowling Green, and a road game to Arizona in week two. The only caveat to that is it is an 11 o'clock game, Saturday, September 10th on FS1. If you're up that late, you will flip it on. It's two Power 5 teams. And maybe Arizona, who lost a handful of games by a possession last year and pulled in a top 25 recruiting class in the 2022 cycle, will start to show some signs of improvement. So there's really only a few games here and there, a few weeks where you're not bothering to check in on Mississippi State. And again, the first three right off the bat, home against Memphis at Arizona State, uh, excuse me, Arizona on that late game week two, week three is at LSU. And then week four, they're home against Bowling Green. So even the first few weeks, they have some interesting matchups. The tough stretch for them is going to start October 1st and go for the next uh, four weeks there. So the month of October. And that's home against Texas A&M, home against Arkansas, at Kentucky, at Alabama. Will they win any of those games? I don't know. Could they have set some apple carts there? Absolutely. Will they be competitive in those games? They absolutely have the talent to be. So keep an eye on Mississippi State as you're going through your normal Saturdays, particularly in October. Great games all the way through there and really all the way through the entire year. The number nine team on my list is the Texas Longhorns. Always a top 25 preseason favorite. They were not on my list. Number five recruiting class and number five in transfer rankings, that new kind of fluid uh, ranking system. Now, Quentin Ewers will probably be the starting quarterback at some point. Of course, he was a early enrollee at Ohio State, a five-star prospect last season. He had a couple handoffs at the end of a few games, but did not throw a pass. He is transferred in here to Texas, the highest-ranked QB recruit since Vince Young in 2002. He will be competing with Hudson Carr, who had five touchdowns and a pick and a 61% completion rating last year in the few games that he was in. But Ewers, I'm sure, will grab the starting job here. If not uh, early in the non-conference, then certainly by a Big 12 play. Bijan Robinson at running back, 1,127 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, and 11 touchdowns last year. An elite running back on that team that went 5-7 and seven last season. He'll be back as a top weapon. Xavier Worthy. At receiver, 62 catches for 980 yards and 12 touchdowns, over 15 yards per catch last season, a big play guy, regardless of who the quarterback is at any given time. There are two weapons there 
Robinson, I imagine, will be getting a bulk of the offensive load, especially earlier in the season. The offensive line might be the undoing of what could be a very fun offense. They're going to be very, very young, just like the potentially starting quarterback there. We could have two freshmen and two sophomores starting, um, but hopefully they'll get that uh, figured out. Steve Sarkeesian has hopefully quelled some of the issues that were making headlines last year for this team. Uh, Coaches yelling at, at players, which was really more telling of the players that recorded the conversations than anything else, and some uh, players getting punished for speaking out in press conferences, press conferences, press conferences about the attitude of the team and teammates at times. So hopefully some of those issues have been resolved and it'll just create a more cohesive team and product for us to watch. They were sixth in the country last season with a 93% conversion rate in the red zone mostly due to uh, Robinson's effectiveness. So A plus there. Uh, overall, the defense probably won't be as bad as last year. Couldn't possibly be. It was a dumpster fire that led to that back end collapse at the end of the year. So it'll lead to some interesting games, that's for sure. Of course, we have the packed Big 12 schedule. I have our bummer games as Louisiana Monroe and at Kansas Of course, Kansas beat them last season. Solid matchups against UTSA in the non-conference at home. The Roadrunners, of course, set uh, a record with 12 wins, I believe, last season. Their quarterback is back. Some key pieces for that squad. That'll be a game week three coming off Alabama. That'll be a solid matchup for this group. And a game they should win, of course. At Texas Tech, home against West Virginia, home against Iowa State. Of course, the... Middle tier of the Big 12 could be pushing upwards potentially, so we'll see. But these are, again, preseason estimates. Don't sleep on Texas Tech. I glanced at them for this list as well. Big games then. Alabama for a neutral site battle. This could be very brutal. Again, the best players on either side of the ball could be on Alabama's roster. And this is going to be brutal for a young offensive line and young quarterback. That's potentially why Quinn Ewers may not start initially. Not because the second game of the season is Alabama. Louisiana Monroe is first, followed by UTSA. But because if it's a coin flip battle, it's possible that Ewers may um, wait till after this game where the offensive line could get absolutely ripped apart to step into that starting role. That's what I would do if I was Sarkeesian, and it's that close of a uh, quarterback battle there. Other big games... Oklahoma, that's a Red River rivalry, neutral site in Dallas. Road games, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Adrian Martinez from Nebraska will be the starting quarterback there at Kansas State. They should have a great uh, skill position group as well. That's a team that could hover right around 500. They could fall towards the bottom half of the Big 12 with how competitive it's going to be. Or they could be a team like they were last year that pushes for eight or nine wins and is surprisingly competitive. They'll also have home dates against TCU and Baylor. Baylor, of course, looking to repeat as Big 12 champions. TCU elevator could be moving up, competing for a title, or could be moving down and end up towards the bottom of that conference with a number of teams in the mix there. So I've got six games listed as big top watches, about four middling games and two in the bummer category, skippable games, if you will. I gave the roster talent of five. I think last season 
was the uh, first time in like 30 or 40 years a Texas player has not been drafted in the NFL draft. But Sarkeesian is starting to turn things around there. We'll have great on-the-field talent from a college perspective, and I think we'll have NFL potential moving forward. Playoff impact is a five. The round-robin schedule of the Big 12. I mean, teams will be knocking each other out. That's how it works. And uh, Alabama on the non-conference schedule could potentially affect their playoff run as well. I give the schedule a five. The Big 12 is going to be nice and competitive this season. A lot of these teams are on equal playing field. You might argue that about eight of the pack, uh, eight of the 10 Big 12 teams are on equal footing here. <laughs> and having uh, Alabama and even UTSA out of a non-Power 5 group is a decent uh, schedule to put together. On-field play is a four. Maybe that's a little too high on my uh, scale out of five there. Again, young players, a little bit of competition at the quarterback, but there are playmakers in uh, Robinson and at the receiver position to kind of help those groups out. Really, as long as the uh, offensive line stays upright a vast majority of the time, I think the quarterback position will come along just fine. The defense is going to be a question mark. That'll keep games interesting as well. Obviously, we like better defenses, but for an interesting perspective this defense uh, was one of the worst in the country and uh, is not going to make a giant leap forward. Let's say that. My number eight team is the Tennessee Volunteers. They were 15th in yards per play last season, 6.49. They were only seven and six, but they're looking to be much better this season in the SEC West. That is the easier division, the Georgia division, if you will. Hendon Hooker might be the second best quarterback in the SEC. I realize I uh, said that about Will Rogers of Mississippi State as well. So there you go. Second, third, best quarterback potentially in the SEC. And he wasn't even the starter heading into last season. Of course, Joe Milton, the former Michigan transfer, was for the first game in a couple quarters. Hendon Hooker himself, the former Virginia Tech Hokie, I believe. He threw for almost 3,000 yards a 31 to 3 touchdown to interception ratio. The receiving core will have a lot of new pieces. Cedric Tillman, who had 64 catches for over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns, will be the main piece there. Seventh in scoring, 11th in rushing, ninth overall offense in the country. They're also top 20 in most advanced offensive statistics as well. They finished off drives inside the 40 yard line. They had great quality possession execution. They didn't waste a lot of their opportunities with the football. The offensive success rate on first and second down was very high. They just moved the football against anyone and everyone. And losses last season, Tennessee scored 45 points, 34, 26, 24, 17 against Georgia, who only allowed about 10.3 points per game. So that single-handedly pushed that average up there. They might have allowed less than 10 points per game. If my math is ballpark correct on that. So 17 against Georgia. The 14 on the road against Florida is the only outlier. So they were scoring points against everyone. Top running back also comes back. Jabari Small, nine touchdowns, 796 yards. The offensive line gave up 44 sacks last season. So it was terrible. And Hooker still got the offense going. Four starters returned from that group. Hopefully that's a blessing and not a curse. Hopefully we see some improvement there. 
Now, the defense was the problem. Can't generate a pass rush. Can't stop opposing defenses in general. Can't turn the ball over. They're senior heavy. Seven starters will be back. Now, for watching purposes, which is what this list is all about, do we prefer better defenses for more competitive games? Or we prefer that they suck so we see a lot more offensive possessions and back and forth. Well, this is going to be one of these teams where the defense is probably not going to be very good, but the offense is going to always be a threat and always keep this team in games. So that is a debatable point. Now, the roster talent, I gave a four. Future NFLers here. Great college talent here. Hendon Hooker. We'll see receivers emerge besides Cedric Tillman, I would imagine. And uh, hopefully we see some some guys pop up on defense here. This is the uh, SEC as it is. Playoff impact is a five. We'll get to the schedule in just a minute. But SEC, we could have two more SEC teams in the playoffs again. Schedule is a four. This is going to be a team you either really want to watch or you don't care about the games at all. This is a very, there's no middling teams on the schedule here. And on the field play, I give a four. Because if for some reason that uh, offense is having problems, it's going to be a rough, rough day. That's the uh, bad side of this defense that can't stop anybody. Is uh, if your offense is sputtering, your defense is not going to keep you in the ball game. So let's start with our big games this time at Pittsburgh in the non-conference. That is week two, September tenth. That's a three thirty on ABC. That'll be a great game. The defending ACC champs going for it again. They are be they'll be hosting this Vols team. They're home against Florida. Then they play at LSU. In Baton Rouge, that is one of their polls out of the SEC East side. Then they're home against Alabama, also out of the SEC East. Home against Kentucky, at Georgia, at South Carolina. Towards the back end of the year there with Spencer Rattler at the helm. So the solid matchup I have is home against Missouri, although you could arguably drop that down if the Tigers really aren't performing very well. That's towards the back end of the season. And the disappointing games is the rest of the non-conference slate outside of Pittsburgh. It's home against Ball State, Akron, and UT Martin. Those are scattered throughout the slate, so there's not like a full month that you're not going to care about the Vols. They're all scheduled uh, scattered throughout the schedule. And then a home game against Vanderbilt that you're not going to be watching to end the season probably. But there are at least seven top-notch games on this schedule. The key stretch for them is going to come in September into October, home against Florida, at LSU, home against Alabama. That slate is sandwiched in between Akron and UT Martin. Those are going to be very difficult games and top watches for the Vols. My number seven team is Oklahoma, also out of the Big 12. Of course, Brent Venables was pried away from Clemson, and he will be the head coach here. Number four transfer class brought in several four stars to infuse into this roster. Dylan Gabriel is in from Central Florida at quarterback, a very capable pilot there. He's reunited with his former offensive coordinator. Running backs are a bit of a question mark. He'll have a top target, though, in Marvin Mims. 34 balls caught, 705 yards, five touchdowns last season, 22 yards per catch. Big play guy. Now, the defensive side is going to be, again, a copy-paste from Clemson and running that defensive scheme. 
And again, just a lot of infusion of talent here that started at other programs. But we should get a competent, good, solid quarterback. We should have solid receivers once they kind of get things settled down here. The defense should have solid playmakers on it as well. The ball should be moving. Like we should actually have an offense that moves up and down the field. And we're going to have a great schedule in the Big 12 here. The roster talent, I gave a four. We're going to have great college football talent here. It's just what it's what it's going to be. Playoff impact is a five in the Big 12. The schedule is going to be a five. We'll grab that in a second. And the on-field play, again, they're going to be moving up and down the field. It's not quite what Lincoln Riley offered, but it's going to be a fun uh, show to watch here. Our top games are at Nebraska, at TCU, home against Texas, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. It's actually a neutral site game for the Red River rivalry against Texas there. That's October 8th on ABC. I assume that's going to be a noon game. Uh, That time slot hasn't been announced yet. But again, a non-conference game against Nebraska week three. That's the big noon game on Fox. We'll see if the Huskers have made some big improvements. That should be a great rivalry to keep going again, Oklahoma and Nebraska. And a Power 5 school on the road at TCU. Should be a tough one. Again, a team that could be 4-8 or 8-4 this this year. Who knows? And Texas, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, all top competitors. Uh, Maybe not Texas as much so, but if they get the offense going, we'll see. Of course, a rivalry game with the triple R's and that should just be a great slate. Now the solid matchups could be any number of teams. I've got home against Kansas state and then Iowa state, West Virginia and Texas tech are all road games begging to upset the Sooners. And those are all mixed in throughout the schedule here. And uh, for key stretch, I have of the schedule never lets up. We have at Nebraska starting week three home against Kansas state at TCU. Then we have the red river rivalry. We've got that four-game stretch from mid-September into October before they take a bye week. And then the back end of the schedule, we have those three kind of middling teams on the road mixed in with the home dates with Baylor and Oklahoma State. So starting October 29th, it's at Iowa State, home against Baylor, at West Virginia, home against Oklahoma State, at Texas Tech. You're just begging for trouble in the schedule there, potential upsets. But again, A lot of pieces moving on offense and really a lot of question marks. We're not sure who's going to be the standout players on the roster here, but there's a lot of talent on the field. A lot of players will emerge. The schedule's nice and juicy, so you should be watching the Oklahoma Sooners, and maybe they'll win the Big 12 this year. Maybe they'll be in the playoff conversation. If not, it should be at least exciting football with a uh, quarterback name you should recognize in Dylan Gabriel if you've paid attention to Central Florida the few times they've been in the headlines the past few seasons. I don't have a lot of stats to back Oklahoma up, unfortunately, because we've got a coaching staff change and we're going to have lots of personnel changes. So just fly with me on that. Number six is a team that's going to be close to my heart this season if you've listened to my top 25 pod, and that is the NC State Wolfpack. They're returning most of their starters, 17, in fact, 10 of them on the defensive side of the ball. They were nine and three last season. I know you watch so many Wolfpack games if you're outside of that region. But 9-3 and last season, they had one really big loss, and that was to Mississippi State in the non-conference early 
24 to 10. That probably didn't bode real well. But as the season went on, they had a one-point loss on the road at Miami, a three-point loss to Wake Forest, and they beat uh, Clemson in double overtime. So this was a solid squad last season. Devin Leary returns at quarterback, 3,433 yards, a 35-5 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, one of the most prolific quarterbacks returning from last season. Thomas Thayer, 51 receptions, almost 600 yards, 11.6 yards per catch, and eight touchdowns. And Devin Carter with 31 catches, 556 yards, almost 18 yards per catch, and six touchdowns. Gives him two top playmakers to throw to. Most of the offensive line returns. The defense, third in the ACC defensively, and a number of those other weird stats as well. Second in passing rate defensively, fifth and third down conversion rate, right around 29% uh, on allowance of third down conversions. The linebacking core of Peyton Wilson, Drake Thomas, and Isaiah Moore. Wilson, especially if he can stay healthy, he's had a number of injuries. All three might make first team all ACC ballot, much like Clemson's entire defensive line might make all first team defense for the ACC conference as well. So, that's just the most dominant unit uh, and core in the conference. So Clemson will own the defensive line. NC State will own the linebacking core, and that's how it'll go. Only 11 turnovers last season. Shows good decision-making, good coaching, good technique. They also had four special teams touchdowns. That begs the question, are those stats replicable? I guess you'll have to watch to find out. I gave the roster talent a solid five. We will have great college players here, and we will have potential pros here, especially if the season goes well. We will start to see them pop up on draft boards. Playoff impact is a five. They'll be in the, they'll be in the thick of an ACC race here. Clemson is on the schedule. We'll get to that in just a second here. The schedule itself, I gave a three because if they are a step of a very thick middle of the ACC, then perhaps they will take care of more of these games than we think. There's potential for it to not be quite as challenging. The the on-the-field play, I give a four. We should have talent on both sides of the ball. If the offense is struggling and there's questions at running back, there's questions about the ground game, the defense should keep the offense in the game, and the offense should be able to potentially be a threat at all times and keep the defense in if they're having problems. So I like that balance. I have big games at Clemson, home against Wake Forest, at Louisville, at North Carolina, solid matchups at at East Carolina, home against Texas Tech for the non-conference slate. East Carolina had its first winning season in, I don't know, eight years last season, and um, they should be productive again this year. They should have one of the better offenses, actually. I uh, looked at them for this list as far as watchable non-Power 5 teams. Texas Tech can't sleep on them in the Big 12. That's a team that could potentially be 4-8 and eight or push towards a double the win total. That could be a sneaky team in the Big 12. Florida State at home, they're going to play a tough schedule. We'll see what Florida State can do and home against uh, Virginia Tech. Disappointing games, the other half of the non-conference, home against Charleston Southern and home against UConn. Road game to Syracuse and home against Boston College are less intriguing matchups, although, again, almost any team in the ACC has potential this year and could surprise. 
the most difficult stretch that I have is actually in the back end, the last four games. But the most important game is Saturday, October 1st, the road game at Clemson. It is the opener for conference play, and that could decide whether they really have a shot in the conference or not. So that's the road game at Clemson, October 1st. The last four is probably the most difficult stretch. They finished their last two games on the road, but the last four, uh, last five really are home against Virginia Tech, home against Wake Forest, home against Boston College. All those will be winnable. Last two are at Louisville, at North Carolina. Louisville could have a really potent offense potentially, and North Carolina could still go eight and four, even if they're trying to kind of figure things out there in uh, Chapel Hill. So that's what we have there for North Carolina. They might even be more watchable than number six. Just saying, keep your eye on the Wolf Pack. Number five on my list, I hemmed and hawed over this quite a bit as I've got a lot of SEC teams on here. But the Texas A&M Aggies are right here at the number five slot. The number one recruiting class of all time. Now that probably won't come to fruition this season. They were eight and four last with losses to Arkansas and Old Miss that weren't terrible, but they did lose to Mississippi State and that LSU road game to end the season when Ed Ogeron already knew he was fired, and uh, those were not good looks. So all four losses were by 10 points or less. Jimbo Fisher has been rolling in top recruits. It just really needs to translate to the field. They were banged up last year, so he didn't see the ceiling of what they could offer. Quarterbacks, offensive line, problems all over the place. Now, there's question marks on this roster, a little bit like Oklahoma. So you're just going to have to trust that they're going to get top recruits and top players into positions to perform and that they're going to be good watches. Quarterback is a question mark already again. Will it be Max Johnson coming in from LSU, who completed 60% of his passes for 2,800 yards and a 27 to 6 ratio on a kind of clunky LSU offense last year? Is it going to be King coming back from injury after last season when he was out? He only played two or three games. Is it going to be Connor Wingman, who was a five-star recruit? They're going to have a top running back coming in who already looks like an NFL player, second rounder possibly, 910 yards and nine touchdowns at seven yards per carry last season. That is Devin Arcane. He was even stealing carries from Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Spiller. Spiller last season, who is now in the NFL. So there is going to be talent there. Uh, A. Smith, 47 catches, 509 yards, and six touchdowns will be the leading receiver back again. Have to figure out the rest of that depth chart there. Have to figure out quarterback. They will have a top running back. Offensive line should return healthy and a lot of talent back there and experience. The defense will be loaded. But young, Jimbo Fisher has heavily emphasized that side of the football. Last season, they only gave up 15.9 points per game, third in the country, and were 17th in passing defense nationally. They look to be around those numbers again. Now, the roster talent, I gave a 5. The playoff impact, I gave a 5. They're in the SEC East here with Alabama. The schedule is going to be a 5. It is crazy. We'll get to that in a second. On the field play, I gave a 3. They're going to play very slowly. Again, they have to figure out a few positions here and there and see if everything gels and is the offense going to be explosive and is the pace going to put you to sleep. But they're also going to stay in a lot of games that they probably are going to outman uh, some of the other rosters in terms of talent. 
but maybe not an experience, and it should keep the games interesting. So is this team a year away from becoming the most watchable team to flip on your television with solidified talents at a number of skilled positions in the top defense in the country and pushing Alabama to be the number one team in the SEC, therefore a de facto national championship contender? Yeah, we're on the upwards trajectory towards the top of the hill. But this could be the key season. The big games, they have a home date against Miami. They'll be coming into town at a college station on the 17th of December. They'll also have Arkansas at home. They'll play at Mississippi State, and they'll play at Alabama. Of course, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher state there's no longer any uh, dispute there between the two former colleagues, but that'll be a massive game. If for no other reason, then the fans will be fired up and rapid for that. Now, the solid matchups, and these games could go either way. They could be great games by the time they come around, or they could be not as interesting. But there's a plethora of them. They'll get Appalachian State in a week two. Expected to win the Sun Belt Conference. Great team, loaded roster. Appalachian State will be coming to College Station early, week two. 3.30 ESPN2. Watch out for that one. At South Carolina, that game is pulled out of the SEC West. They are, of course, going to get Spencer Rattler and that group. Beamer out of there, so they'll get uh, South Carolina on the road. Big game, not as big game. We'll see. That's going to come around the midpoint of the season, and we'll get to that stretch in a second. They're home against Old Miss, home against Florida, uh, the SEC West, at, Al- uh, at Auburn, and home against LSU. So there are one, two, three, four, five, six. Could have counted those ahead of time. Six games that could go either way, but that's potentially nine games on the slate. That are really great watches, and that's how I'm looking at it right now. The only disappointments are two of the non-conference games, Sam Houston State at the FCS level and UMass. The key stretch here starts right at the beginning and rolls on through the middle of the schedule. Saturday, September 1st, they have Miami in for a 9 p.m. Eastern time start on ESPN. The next week, they'll have Arkansas on a neutral site game. Then they'll play at Mississippi State and at Alabama. That is a tough four-game stretch. Then they'll actually have a bye week and come out of that into another stretch where they hit the road again and play South Carolina. But home against Miami, neutral site, Arkansas, I believe that's in Arlington, Texas, at Mississippi State, at Alabama. That is a brutal stretch that will show whether this team is ready to kind of make some moves this season. And by moves, I mean play second behind Alabama in the SEC East or you know, go about eight and four this year. But this team is going to have, you can flip them on pretty much any time during the season. The opener, September 3rd, Sam Houston, and the back end of the schedule, UMass, November 19th, are the only dates you don't care about. You can flip on Texas A&M at any other time to see a roster full of NFL future talent and guys they could potentially develop this season, next season, two years from now, because again, a number one class was recruited for the 2020 cycle. And uh, this is just going to be a loaded loaded team. Some guys have got to pan out <laughs> of this top class. So Texas A&M sitting there in my number five slot. Number four is Arkansas, also out of the SEC, also out of the SEC East. 
11 starters returned for this group that went 9-4 and four last year, was 10th in transfer portal rankings with a handful of four stars infused into this offense and great defense from last season. They'll play a top five schedule this season, and it was pretty close to that last year. K.J. Jefferson returns at quarterback, 2,600 yards, 21-4 to touchdown to interception ratio, 67% completion percentage. He also jogged, jogged for 664 yards and six touchdowns in this option offense that he thrived in. The explosiveness metric said this was a great offense, so one of the best in the country, but they got jammed up when it came to third down conversion rate. Now, the top receivers are gone, but they have three transfers coming in from all corners of the country to help give Jefferson new weapons and to help create those explosive plays once again. Running backs. 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns worth of combined experience return from that group. Jefferson was actually the leading rusher for the Razorbacks that had four players each with five-plus rushing touchdowns and 575-plus yards rushing last season. The defense was surprisingly efficient for how strong the offenses were that they were facing. Safety Jalen Catalan is the top 2023 NFL prospect on the roster right now. Bumper Poole is one of the best linebackers in the SCC, and they will once again be in the thick of this race with a great option offense, a great dual threat quarterback, if you will, and they will put points on the board, and the defense will keep them in the game. We have a very pretty balanced attack here, uh, and both sides of the ball will be great as well. Roster talent is a solid four. Playoff impact is a solid five. Schedule's a five. On-field play will be exciting. It is a five as well. Possible talent will be a five as well. We'll see um, how this team performs and if guys start to move up um, draft boards and conference mentions and that kind of thing and how the performance actually is. But they will have a play in uh, playoff decisions. The schedule's great. We'll get to it here. And the on-field play will be exciting as well. Top games, they play a home game against Cincinnati to open the season. That's a 3.30 ESPN, September 3rd. That's a massive game for both programs. You really don't want to take a loss to a non-Power 5 or any team really um, in the non-conference if you're Arkansas when you're playing the brutal schedule that you are, if you hope to have a say in anything, the SEC race, certainly the playoffs, anything like that at all. Can't take a loss at home to Cincinnati. And the Bearcats on the flip side, would love to run through the AAC, the AAC, American Athletic Conference. There we go. And uh, they would love a non, non-conference win over a Power 5 team here in Arkansas. So this will actually be a massive game. Might be the best game of the day uh, on the Saturday, September 3rd, but we'll hit that uh, in the future. Texas A&M is on the schedule, of course. That is a neutral site game for both squads. And uh, home against Alabama and at BYU, also on the non-conference slate. Those are the very top matchups. Solid matchups. Home against South Carolina out of the West. At Mississippi State. At Auburn. Home against LSU. Home against Ole Miss. A number of those could be bumped into bigger matchup games as well. Actually, maybe Mississippi State should. I'm leading higher on that group now. Maybe Ole Miss as well. They're in my top 25. So a number of great matchups here. The only bummer games I have indicated, home against Mississippi State, home against Liberty, who probably won't be. I mean, this could be an eight-win team again this year without Malik Willis, but I'm not sure they'll be at the level that Arkansas is play-wise, and this will be a road game for Liberty. And uh, at Missouri, in a game that may or may not matter, 
Tigers could be out of a bowl game by that point, or they could be fighting for a bowl spot, maybe something more significant on the last game of the season. That's already got a time. Friday, Friday game, Friday, November 25th, 3.30 on CBS. But I have that as one of the three kind of bummer games right now. So Arkansas, great offense. Defense can hang. We got a quarterback. We'll have some weapons on offense, although they have yet to materialize from the receiver perspective. We'll have a fleet of running backs out there. And um, yeah, we got some guys. We got some dudes. So Arkansas, number four on the list. Number three is USC. They might even be ranked a little too high out of the Pac-12. They'll have a top quarterback in Caleb Williams, 4,872 yards, 21 to 4 touchdown INT ratio, 61.5% completion percentage last year. Of course, he didn't start until the Red River rivalry game against uh, Oklahoma there. Excuse me, against Texas. He was playing for Oklahoma at the time last season and uh, exploded onto the scene there. And his games are kind of a mixed bag. Again, we do have to remember he won't be 20 years old until halfway through the season. I believe his birthday's in November, so he's a young, young guy. But already could be the the top quarterback in the Pac-12, or one of the top guys, and one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. He still won't be going pro for at least another season yet. He'll be hanging out. And this season, he'll be throwing to the returning best receiver in the country, and that's Jordan Addison out of Pittsburgh. He's also only 20 years old. He was the best receiver in the country last season, 100 receptions, over 1,500 yards, 17 touchdowns. So he is in the fold now for the USC Trojans and a recipient of Caleb Williams' passes. Mario Williams slides in from Oklahoma as well, following in Williams and Lincoln Riley's footsteps. Terrell Bynum is sliding in from Washington. Brendan Rice from Colorado as Jerry Rice's son. So we'll have a fleet of new receivers to go along with their new quarterback here. The offensive line is a little bit of a question. The defensive line will have a top guy in Tuli Tulapotu. I did not say that correctly, but I said it close. He'll be uh, clogging up that defensive interior for the Trojans. So they will have a few playmakers on defense, but the offense is going to be a fireworks show. Let's not forget, Oklahoma placed in the top four of the Heisman voting six times during a five-year period from 2015 to 2019, including uh, 2016 when Dede Westbrook and Baker Mayfield finished third and fourth in the uh, voting there. So Lincoln Riley will get guys in the top there. He just hasn't the past couple of years, which is perhaps why he moved on here for greener pastures. Roster talent is a five. These guys will be in the NFL. These top skill positions will be in the NFL for sure. Playoff impact is a four. The Pac-12 may not get a team in to the playoffs this season. It's not looking super great, but they will have a shot at a couple teams on the schedule here. And the schedule itself is a four for where USC is at, which I don't think is a top tier playoff contender. They'll be able to compete with a lot of these teams. They'll be interesting games. They won't be blowing a lot of teams out, I don't think. So from a watching perspective, a viewing perspective, the schedule is a four. And on the field play, will be a four. Again, there's questions on the defense a bit, question on the trenches a bit. Are you just going to get mowed down by a team like Utah who might just push you around? And will all the young pieces come together and all the new pieces come together? A lot of questions. It's also possible that everything just pops off and goes just fine. Big games. Well, week two on the road at Stanford, 
a team that was three and nine last year, but one of those nines was against Oregon, is going to be a tough game right off the bat. That's September 12th, September 10th at 7.30 on ABC. That is a sneaky great game. A lot of returning production from Stanford, uh, some of the most in the Pac-12, potential NFL quarterback there in Tanner McGee. That's a sneaky great game. Home against Fresno State. They could win the Mountain West. Great quarterback there as well. At Utah, at UCLA, and to end the season, home hosting the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. That's a great slate. I like that a lot. Five big games there. Solid matchups. At Oregon State, the Beavers have been slowly climbing up the rankings, climbing up the polls. They finished 7-6 and six last season after losing a few games in the back half of the schedule, but that is a solid crew there. Home against Arizona State. Of course, they've had uh, some issues lately, some scandals, if you would say. A lot more players have been transferring out than have been transferring in. And home against Washington State a team that's going to throw the ball all over the place. Incarnate Word has the uh, new quarterback that transferred in there from Incarnate Word. And his receiver came with him, and his offensive coordinator is already there from last season. His name is eluding me, but Washington State, watch out for the Cougars as well. Bummer games, home against Rice in the non-conference. A road game to Arizona, and that's coming into the middle of the season and off a bye. USC will be playing them off a bye as well. Arizona could be looking up this year. I think they won two games last year, but had a top 25 recruiting class coming into the season and only lost a handful of games by one possession last year. So Arizona could be looking up, but that may not be a big game for the Trojans in particular. And home games against two of the other weaker teams in the conference, California and Colorado, those teams, in theory, USC should mash. So the tough stretch at UCLA and home against Notre Dame, I guess, to end the season will be big games, um, depending on where they're at, standing-wise, record-wise, up to that point. Um, but they're going to have a good mix of games throughout the schedule for the most part. Uh, at Arizona, home against California, home against Colorado are unfortunately all in a stretch that may not be particularly interesting. And they don't play Oregon and Washington, which really would have boosted the schedule a bit. But the USC Trojans, again, could potentially jump into the spotlight right away. A bunch of these games, I think, will not be on the Pac-12 network. They will not be late-night games. They'll get moved to prime time. You see, we have times for three of four games already in networks as well, and they're on FS1, Fox, ABC, and the Pac-12 network. That's the Rice opener. So you'll be seeing them a lot. You should watch them a lot. That's what I think. Number two on my list is the BYU Cougars have been stunning people and breaking hearts for a couple seasons now. They were 10-3 and three last year. They're number two in the country in returning production. Almost everybody's back. They were number eight in yards per play last season at 6.7. Jaron Hall is back at quarterback. 2,500 yards, 20-5 to five TD INT ratio, and 64% completion last year. They were top 15 in third down conversion rate and rushing efficiency. Two of the top three receivers are back. Puka Nuka. No, Puka Nakua is the name I'm going to go with. Transfers over from Washington. Over 800 yards and six touchdowns last season. He should be the top passing threat on that squad for a very efficient offense that ranked quite well and is explosive efficiency as well. Injuries hurt the defense in a number of different uh, statistical categories. But they were 6-1 and one against Power 5 teams last season. 17th in yards per game allowed and at a plus 
11 turnover margin, which was seventh nationally. So they turned the ball over, they scored the ball, they stopped the ball, and all those people are back, baby. Ethan Slade at safety is top of the uh, the draft boards. They have a tackle and, and Blake Freeman as well. And if they have another great year against another great slate, then we'll see some of these other guys start to pop up as well. Roster talent is a four with that in mind. Playoff impact is a five. We'll get to that in a second. The schedule is a five. Every week is a party, basically. And the on-the-field play should be a five as well. So our big games. How about home against Baylor? On the road at Oregon, home against Utah State, who won the Mountain West last year. Then they play uh, they play Notre Dame in Las Vegas. Let's not forget that. They've got Arkansas. They play at Boise State, who uh, could win the Mountain West this season. And then they play at Stanford. I have that up there. As touched on briefly, Stanford returning a lot of production. Possible NFL quarterback on that roster. That could be a team that uh, rises up a bit more in the Pac-12. Solid games, home against Wyoming, always a feisty team out of the Mountain West at Liberty. Again, discussed them earlier, not quite sure where Liberty is going to be at this year. And home against East Carolina, hey, I touched on them earlier too. I think that they're going to be a solid team this season. The only bummer games, home against uh, Utah, oh boy, what are they called? Utah Technical? Utah Tech, that's what we got, Utah Tech. That seemed to slip off my notes here. Out of the uh, FBS level, I think, I didn't know there was a Utah Technical, and uh road game at South Florida, who won two games last year. We'll be making some adjustments this season, but probably won't win more than three or four games. So this is a loaded schedule, lots of fun games. We'll have a big, big matchup on NBC at 7.30, October 8th against Notre Dame. That'll be awesome. Notre Dame has already revealed special uniforms for that. I'm sure the Cougars will have new uniforms, uh, alternates for that as well. I guess the key stretch here Starts week two, September 10th. That's Baylor for a late night game. That's Baylor at Oregon, home against Wyoming, home against Utah State. And then they hop into that Notre Dame game. That seems like a great stretch to me. Utah State's actually on a Thursday. so And then they play uh, Arkansas after that. So I don't, this is just a great schedule. And even the back half there, uh, home against East Carolina at Boise State, home against that Utah, little Utah school, and at uh, Stanford is a little lighter, but there's still two great road games in there. I like East Carolina. I think that'll be a great game. So this is just a solid schedule all the way through. There's talent all the way through. There's a good offense. There's players on defense. There's impact for, I mean, they could beat the winner of the Pac-12 in Oregon, the winner of the Big 12 in Baylor, Notre Dame, who could have a say in the playoff conversation, and Arkansas, and East Carolina, who could be a sleeper in the um, AAC. You're just really not going to regret putting BYU on your television. Now, my number one pick, and they just they just slotted in here at number one, and uh, they could get moved down, really. But for the sake of this podcast, the number one team you should be checking on after you're done watching your local team's game or seeing what time they're on, I don't think you should flip on Georgia. They're not going to be as exciting. Clemson, can they throw the ball? Alabama, they're going to beat everyone by 50. How about Ohio State? And I know, they're going to be right up there in the rankings. They may be two or three in the A people, and they may sit there. But here's the deal. They have the best chance to beat Alabama and become the first non-SEC non-Clemson team to win the national championship since 2014 when they won it the last time over Alabama. 
And it was also year one of the playoffs, by the way, 2014. The SEC, while we're keeping tally, has won 12 of the last 16 national championships at this point. Clemson has won two in there. Ohio State has won one. Florida State won the other one the year before we went to the playoff format. Now, they had the most efficient offense in the country last season. Almost eight yards per play, 7.96. Only three teams, period, averaged over seven yards per play. Coastal Carolina and Western Kentucky were the others. And the offense could be better this season. It could be better than almost eight yards per play. C.J. Stroud had 4,400 yards, 44 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio, completed almost 72% of his passes and was going for Heisman. Jixon Smith-Nabeed, that's not how you say his last name, exploded last season and finished top eight in several receiving categories. Despite playing with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who are both in the NFL, over 1,600 yards, almost 17 yards per catch, nine touchdowns, and he will put up more yards this season as the number one target. Marvin Harrison Jr., son of Marvin Harrison, I know it's shocking, will slide into a starting spot. He exploded against Utah and had three touchdowns when Olave and Wilson were sitting out. Trevon Henderson, true sophomore running back, just a wee little boy, just a wee little child, will be bullying through people, knocking them over like pins, over 1,200 yards at 6.8 yards per clip and 15 touchdowns last season. And he had to push people out of starting roles to do that. They're just like, hey, 18-year-old, just step in here and um, into Ohio State scarlet colors and carry us to victory here. That was with those top receivers on the roster. He was getting touches, and with guys ahead of him on the depth chart. Just wild. The defense gave up a ton of points, and they should lock lock it down a bit this season. Jim Knowles came over from that top 10 Oklahoma State defense last season and should uh, instantly upgrade whatever they're doing over there. The roster talent here will be a five. Players will be in the NFL. We will have top college players. We will have Sports Center top 10 highlights from this team guaranteed. Zach Harrison looks to be the next great pass rusher to go to the NFL, hopefully. If not, it'll be some of these other guys who will be put in a position by Jim Knowles. That's a very big name. Playoff impact is a five. They could win the whole thing, or they could impact someone else's chances to win the whole thing. The problem here is the schedule is a two. They might bury people early with their own talent, so that's that could be problematic. I bumped the schedule way down for that. The on-the-field play, I'm giving a five as well. The offense is going to be score, score, score. The defense is going to be destroy, sack, and punish. That's what it's going to be. The big games on the slate start with the opener against Notre Dame. They're hosting the Irish 730 ABC Saturday, September 3rd. Go ahead. I'll let you put that down on your calendar. They pull Iowa and Wisconsin out of the West Division. Those are both home games. They'll get Michigan at home this season and play Penn State and Michigan State on the road. Games that I have over at the half is what I call this segment. Is the home game against Toledo and the road game at Maryland. Maryland will be able to throw the ball this season. They're not to be taken lightly. But if the defense is elevated, then perhaps they... um, be down on the Terrapins early, and Toledo could win the MAC conference. So maybe they hang around for a bit. Maybe this offense is putting up historical numbers and Toledo's not in it. Disappointing games, home against Arkansas State, home against Rutgers, 
at Northwestern, home against Indiana. We got some bad teams in the Big Ten. We just have some bad teams in the Big Ten. So there are going to be some weeks where you're not really paying as much attention. Uh, there's a particular spot towards the back end of the schedule here. So they end the season home against Michigan, of course, but the three games prior to that, at Northwestern, home against Indiana, at Maryland. If Maryland's really struggling, we'll obviously know by the end of the season. So that three-game stretch could be less entertaining to view. Also, the Big Ten in general, there's going to be a lot of defensive teams and teams that may not be able to pass in general or run the ball. There's not a lot of Big Ten teams that I'm super excited to watch for three hours as it is anyways this season. I mean, you tell me, Iowa, who had one of the worst offenses in the country last season, that's going to be a a matchup for sure. But man, Iowa, Wisconsin returns the fewest starters out of anyone in the Big Ten. They have a great running back who's going to be a true sophomore and offensive line talent to help pave the way for him to run the football. But man, that's a tough, that could be a tough watch, tough beat too for starting quarterback that threw almost as many interceptions as touchdowns last year. Indiana, Northwestern, Rutgers, there's going to be some tough watches in the Big Ten this season. Illinois, just going to be rough go. That's why I don't have any other Big Ten teams on this list. Um, I'll go over some of my honorable mentions in just a moment. But Ohio State, I think, week to week, is going to be the number one team you should be flipping on to your televisions this football season. So again, the top 10. One is Ohio State, two is BYU, three is USC, four is Arkansas, five is Texas A&M, six is NC State, seven is Oklahoma, eight is Tennessee, nine is Texas, and number 10 is Mississippi State. Again, I have four teams here out of the SEC. I think that's going to be the top conference as far as viewing enjoyment this season. That shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. And there were a number of options, of course, when going through this schedule. A number of major programs on a national stage have had big coaching changes. Florida, LSU, Miami, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Oregon, USC. These transfer portal rankings now have indicated which teams have done a great job in that regard. Arkansas, Nebraska, Old Miss, South Carolina, Texas, UCLA, all ranked in the top 10 with major roster infusions. Some of the top offenses in the country the past few years have been non-Power 5 teams. Western Kentucky, Kent State, Fresno State, Western Michigan, SMU, Marshall, Coastal Carolina. Uh, We have other teams like Auburn, TCU, Iowa State, West Virginia, Florida State with difficult schedules that could be solid to watch based on their talent uh, and uh, how their competitive levels are as well. So lots of options. I had uh, Fresno State, East Carolina, and Houston coming close on the list. They're all going to have explosive offenses, I think, but the schedules are a little too weak to say, hey, you can flip to them almost any given week to check them out. But those are three teams that I like a lot. Maryland with their offense uh, was considered for the list. Florida State that's going to have NFL players, including quarterback Jordan Travis, if he can stay healthy. But they have a tough uh, ACC slate with NC State. Clemson, Miami. They also have Florida and LSU out of the SEC. The Seminoles just might end up four and eight and losing every game that's competitive like that by a couple touchdowns. I'm just not sure they're at that level yet, and that's not a game you want to watch. Old Miss with that uh, very competent offense over there with a number of moving pieces that are uh, newly brought in. So we'll see what happens there. Florida was in consideration with Anthony Richardson. I think he'll be a great quarterback. 
LSU with that new Brian Kelly smell feel, I guess, uh, and a number of offensive players. Wake Forest, unfortunately, poor Sam Hartman pulled due to some uh, medical condition, unfortunately, out indefinitely. I hope that guy does uh, all right. Louisville should be an interesting team offensively, but then they lost their top two receivers to the transfer portal. So we'll see what happens there. Virginia might have a top flight passing attack, but the schedule's a little iffy and don't know about the rest of the roster at all. Pittsburgh will be interesting. Kansas State, Texas Tech. So uh, lots of teams. Always enjoy college football. Uh, But again, this is my suggestions for top 10 teams to tune into throughout the season, at least as it starts going along here. My top 10 watches for the 2022 college football season. Thank you. Thank you. All my blessings. 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 I need my blessings every penny. Daily counting every single one I'm seeing plenty. Level up and watch that beat and turn it to a